fired up. with the life it's not just a game this is my life oh yeah yeah it's the brothers millers back live in la in koreatown it's the Ozone Podcast, folks. We we just can't wait to get on the mic. Oh, I was steaming. I wanted to get on it this weekend. I'm, I'm steaming Willie Beeman out here, folks. We witnessed a robbery this weekend. Yeah, boy, he had to come through the CSI tape, right? I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I I got my luminol out. I, I, I have my microscope ready, and it's time to forensically analyze this nonsense that took place in Las Vegas on Saturday night. I was there. I was about 15 rows back. Took pictures with a lot of you guys. I appreciate the fan love. Let's start off with who I am. I'm your host. I'm Omar Miller. You may have seen me in such pieces as Eight Mile or perhaps the HBO smash hit ballers. But right now, I'm a fight analyst, and I'm here with my brother, Terry Miller, the Icons. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling pretty good myself, I have to say. It's been a whirlwind tour lately. We've been running around the world doing stuff with tennis, doing stuff with boxing. Courtesy, shout out to HBO Boxing because that was a great oh, card. Great card. Great love. They gave us love. They gave us love, and, and the love is reciprocated. And uh, the only problem that we had was some dirty pool. A lot of it. A lot of it. Somebody needs to call out the pool man. He does, because we need some chlorine. Let's get right to it. All right, folks, if you didn't watch it, then you're crazy. You cheated yourself. You cheated yourself, because this could be the fight of the year. They'll do a replay this weekend on HBO. Um, The main event, let's get straight to it. Triple G, four-time, four-belt-holding Triple G, the middleweight champion of the world, fought Canelo Alvarez uh, in what was billed as the fight of the year. And other than the big boys who fought earlier this year, Anthony Joshua and Klitschko, it lived up to it. It could have lived up to it if Canelo actually would have been there to fight and to not run. He didn't want to get knocked out. Which was obvious. But let's talk about the scene. All right, we get to Vegas. It's hot outside because it's Las Vegas. All right? It's all good, though. We found something very peculiar. Gennady Golovkin came out first. Since when do you see the champ come out first? It doesn't happen. It never happens. This reeked to high heaven. Something was rotten in the state of Denmark immediately, ladies and gentlemen. It didn't smell right. Gennady comes out because he's humble and that's he didn't care. So he came out anyways, came out first, came out looking lean, looking strong. And Canelo came out afterwards to the adoration of the crowd. I can't express this to you guys enough. The crowd might have been 70, 30, 80, 20 for Canelo. It was a very Latino-friendly crowd on the eve of Mexican Independence Day in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is a West Coast city of the United States, which is very near a Southwest city, which is very near the border of actual Mexico. The place was packed. It was it was packed with pride with Latinos who just couldn't wait to see their man come through. The underdog, Cinnamon, Canelo Alvarez. And on the flip side, you had a young fellow from Kazakhstan who promised big drama show. He wanted it. He wanted it so bad. Now, obviously, we we know the champ. We know Gennady Golovkin. And I don't think I've ever seen him so hyped up for a fight. Another thing I realized being out there is how many people hate Gennady Golovkin. They sure do. It's kind of it's kind of like the Spike the Spike Lee uh, uh, factor. I didn't recognize how many people hated Spike Lee, the director, until I worked with him. Because as many people as love him actually tune in to watch him fail. It's kind of like the Floyd Mayweather. And then thing. you watch all the roadblocks that they throw up in between to, to try to make these people fail. We sat next to Sergey Kovalev, and Sergey, who's been dropped. By Gennady in sparring before. The bigger guy. The the light heavyweight. the uh, A lot bigger guy. And and we asked him who he was leaning for before the fight, and, and the crusher told us that he was 50-50. I found that surprising. Uh, but it is what it is. Crusher showed love. I was very I – was, I was happy about that because he didn't sock me in my stomach. <laughs> so that was nice. Um, but let's – okay, now let's get to the fight. At the At the beginning of the fight – the odds makers in Vegas received heavy bets on Triple G, but lots more small bets, significantly more smaller bets on Canelo. So by the time that the actual bell rang, the odds were Triple G at minus 200, which means that you need to bet $200 to win $100. Right. 
and Canelo was around plus 160, something to that effect. Well, Canelo came out like we've seen in many people fighting Triple G, kind of like how we saw with Danny Jacobs. He came out in the first round wanting to taste the power that he'd heard so much about, which puts you in a bad position anyways because you can tell that your guy is scared just not to get knocked out. Right. I don't think he threw a punch in the first round until maybe two minutes into the first round. He was so timid. I mean, and dancing, running. Not a, not a Canelo thing. It's not a no. Canelo. You know, he's usually moving straight forward. He's a plotter. He likes to try to catch you with something big early. Yep. And he did that early. He tried to catch Gennady a couple times but with something big. But that's where big. the size came in because his size, he's, he had, doesn't have the reach. He didn't have the reach. And the other thing was Gennady has great defense. Sure he does. gets hit when he wants to get hit. And that's something that I don't think people give him credit for. Right. Now, one thing that we did see, let's talk about the good of Canelo. Because one thing that we did see was improved movement of Canelo Alvarez. I, better better movement, better footwork than I thought was right. even possible for him. Right, I didn't think that he can get that. I didn't think so either. And it just goes, it's a testament to how great of an athlete he is, how great of a boxer that he is. Mm-hmm. Problem is, even though he made Triple G miss, he got hit a lot. And early. And that negated his game plan. He had a great game plan. I can't, I can't express enough how much that I really respect Canelo and I respect his team. Well, I think that his game plan got thrown off, not just by the power, but by the jabs. The jab that uh, Golovkin established early in the fight turned his whole game around because I didn't think that they knew that he was going to come out with the jab. They thought he was coming out with the power. Which is hilarious because he comes out with the jab all the time. Yeah, he's, he's an sure Olympic does, fighter. But, but he nobody, always comes out with the jab. Every time you speak to somebody with him about it, they always say, well, he doesn't really have a jab. Okay. And, and he dictates the fight with his with jab. His jab. And he gets you punch drunk. Yes, and everything is established off of his jab. And, and nothing was different on Saturday night. Gennady came out. He popped that jab to perfection. It was a beautiful jab. But what I was going to say crispy. is, what I was going to say is, is that Canelo came out with a great game plan because he attacked Triple G's body when he did start throwing. Right. Uh, and I think that's just like we talked about before. That's the way to negate a power guy. And slow him down. Is to slow him down. And sap his strength. Didn't work for Canelo. I think that one of the things that happened was in seeing Canelo be better than we've ever seen Canelo. That's the best fight that I've ever seen Canelo fight. Right. But he's just not better than Gennady Golovkin. I didn't even think that it was in question. That fight, only reason that we knew that it was going to be a problem, which we had spoke on earlier in other podcasts, if it went the distance, we knew that, you know, the, the dirty pool was going on. And that's because Gennady has less upside than Canelo. Yes. Canelo has a larger nation behind him, a traditionally favorable boxing nation that's behind him. Yes. He has the giant promoter in Oscar De La Hoya behind him. Right. And, and the money is behind him. It's the same reason that Floyd Mayweather got a lot of favorable treatment in his career because once he started doing those crazy numbers, you make people a lot of money, you'd be amazed at what they're willing to look to the side of. You can beat your wife. You can sell some drugs. Low-key, you might even be able to kill some people if you make people yeah. enough money. Yeah, it's true. It is what it is, and that's the world that we live in. But even in this world that we live in, even in this world of corruption that we live in, the most generous that I could be would be 7-5 for Gennady Golovkin. And you're being very generous. I'm being generous with the fix. In real life, the fight, I had it 8-4, to four, maybe 9-3. to three. I would go 9-3. to three. Because even a few of those rounds, you could call it even, but that's just giving Canelo just credit for having a great chin and standing in there yep. at one point, mixing it late in the fight. I definitely didn't have him win in the 12th round, and I've, nope. seen, I've seen a couple of cats that said that, oh, you know, he fought back in the I've seen people who tried to say he won the first three rounds. Yeah. And I'd like to know what first three yeah. rounds are they watching. A la Max Kellerman. Okay, let's talk about this. We got a lot to cover, and I mean, the fight may end up taking up the whole podcast because this is just devastating. Boxing is taking a black eye once again. And, and Dana White, you know what? If you're listening out there, this is your prime opportunity to seize the day. Carpe that diem and take over because boxing isn't serious. They're not real. I love boxing. I love boxing. I used to love it. Not as much as I, you know, before, but fights like this really sour you on the game. You can't name me one round where Canelo dominated all three minutes of the round. It is not possible. At the not most, one. he had highlights here and there. And I want to read you some stats because I've had a lot of people. I've been going back and forth with people online with them, with Canelo homers who just can't believe it and say, oh, all Triple G threw was a jab. 
A jab is enough. A but jab is a it was a Larry power punch, Tyke's exactly jab. the stiffy. But the power punches is what made him run. How about <laughs> this? Let's look at the numbers. The CompuBox numbers, which people love to lean on, I'm not even crazy for CompuBox. Me either. But in this situation, once again, it all favors Triple G. Alvarez total punches landed 169. Golovkin's total punches landed 218. Total punches thrown 703 for Golovkin to 505 versus Alvarez. Jabs 55 landed for Alvarez, 108 landed for Triple G. Power punches, which I don't actually think this stat is accurate because I don't think the Triple G got credit for a lot of the punches that he blocked. Right. 114 power punches from Canelo to 110 power punches for Gennady. So stop acting like there was some route on power. Right. Even by the CompuBox numbers, there was four more power punches landed by Canelo. Four. And and I don't believe that's true. I don't believe it's true. And also, obviously, Canelo's power was not impressive because Gennady ate those punches that and he walked did take right them like and a terminator walked that man <laughs> down there was a point when he got clocked with a right across that by force only took his face to his right shoulder rolled he, with it he snapped his neck back to the center like a robot and went right back in him and dominated him with that jab with devastating body shots there's no chance that Canelo thought he won that fight in real life. Canelo There's said no that way. He, no, Canelo said that he won seven, eight rounds. He felt he, like he he knows he was lying. He's a, that's Canelo saving face now. But what? Let I I don't want to get sidetracked. Let's talk about the corruption top to bottom. The reason I set the scene for you guys is because one, they're subliminally constantly conditioning you to accept the outcome that's predetermined. Yes. The only way that this wasn't going to be this way is if somebody got knocked out. What's happening is by having Gennady come out first, by doing all of the small things that subliminally plant in your mind that Canelo is actually the champion, he's just a champion in weight. Right, which he wasn't. They're doing all this stuff to condition you as well as listening to the commentation on 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 the television. So after the fight, the crowd was so against Canelo. They had turned on Canelo so thoroughly that we couldn't even hear what they were talking about in the ring. You could hear when Gennady spoke and people cheered for him and then they got quiet for him out of respect. With Canelo, they booed him so loud you couldn't hear anything. Let's hear what HBO's Max Kellerman, what his line of questioning was after the fight. Canelo, Triple G came into this fight known for his vaunted power. Did you feel it tonight? La verdad que no. No, truthfully, no. No como, no como, no como pensaba o como decían que, que tenía la pegada. La verdad que no, no me sorprendió nada. No, no, truthfully not. Not as I spoke about, not what I thought. No, it really didn't surprise me. Early in the fight, in the first three rounds, you were boxing very well. And then he started to come on in the middle rounds. What changed? No, obviamente, en los primeros asaltos salí a ver qué era lo que mostraba para después seguir haciendo la pelea, pero gané siete, ocho rounds de la pelea fácil. In the first rounds, I just came out to see what he had, you know, but then I started building, but I, I won seven, eight rounds quite easily. It seemed to us ringside that by the last three rounds, Gennady had built the lead and that you sensed some urgency and started fighting in the championship rounds as though you needed them to win the fight. No, obviamente para convencer, para convencer lo que ya tenía ganado. No, not at all. To be convincing in what I already had won. That's all. So Canelo felt that he won seven or eight rounds. What did you think, Gennady? No. So the people give me, you know, draw, just my focus on boxing, just... I think, look, look my belts. I, I still champion, Max. I'm not lost, really. You mentioned that you didn't have a big drama show today, but you came in as the aggressive fighter. His job was to counter and box you and neutralize your offense. Isn't it your job to make sure it's a drama show? You know, this is not my fault. I'm pressured every round. I want big drama show. I want to give all people my, you know, big present. This is my, not my problem. You know, just I'm very happy today. Just I come back to Kazakhstan, 
you know, to my country, just, and I sell thanks to who support me. Guys, it was a really good, crisp fight with change in momentums. In momentum, it ended in a draw. Do you want a rematch, Canelo? Claro que sí, por supuesto que sí. Yes, of course, obviously yes. Si la gente lo quiere, hacemos la revancha. If the people want it, yes. Este es empate porque no es revancha. This is a draw, basically. He didn't win. This is a draw. And you feel you won. What about his feeling that you didn't stay there to fight him, and as a result, it wasn't dramatic enough? Ahí estaba. Ahí estaba para pelear. I was there to fight. I was there. I did my fight and I said, I always said I was going to be a step in front of him. Gennady, do you want a rematch? Of course. So there we have it. I personally think Max could have even, I feel like Max lightly slanted. I, I don't know. I've had a conversation with Max before at the at, at HBO functions where we talk about how different it is sitting at different angles while you watch the fight. I don't know where Max saw Canelo dominating the first part of the fight. Yeah, he said that. And at the end of the fight, he said he felt like Triple G won, but he barely shaded him. I just don't I don't see that. But he's double talking anyway, because what he's saying is that if Triple G lost the first half of the fight and the back end of the fight, then that means he won the middle of the fight. You can't give it. <laughs> you can't give him the fight if you just feel like he won the middle. My thing is, in real life, the way that I had it, Gennady won the first round. Canelo won the second round. Maybe. He came out much more aggressive. The third through the ninth round were domination by Triple G. It was to the point where people in the crowd were like, oh, ooh, oh. I'm telling you, at one point, Triple G didn't, I mean, uh, Canelo didn't look like he was going to be able to answer the bell. It looked like they were either going to call the fight or Canelo was going to quit around the seventh, eighth round. Because he came off the stool very, very, very slow. Very slow. And then... He laid on the ropes and got punished and did the classic boxer move where he shook his head every time he got punished. Like, no, that didn't hurt. Like, yeah. that didn't hurt. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I will say that I saw that was impressive is Canelo pulled a couple dirty moves, which were nice, where out of the clinch, he pushed off and got some body shots in. Yeah. And for the first time in my watching Triple G ever, I think Triple G actually was affected and was hurt. Yeah. By a body head combo that was a beautiful combo from Canelo. It was nice. And yet... His mind is so strong and his conditioning was so strong, he ate it and kept moving forward. But one of the things you got to give Canelo credit for was, too, is that he's got a chin of granite. That dude, chin unbelievable un- chin. Unbelievable. I mean, I was very, very impressed. Unbelievable chin. Unbelievable chin. He was in trouble in those middle rounds. It looked like they were going to have to stop the fight. And he, he pulled out I, the heart of a champion. He did. Come like the 10th round. I gave him 10 and 11. Uh huh. I did not give him 12. I don't, he came out in 12, he came out strong, and then Triple G answered. Triple G answered. And made him back up again. Yep. And then he changed his whole perspective on it. I just want to know how you can win a fight leaning on the ropes the whole night and running the whole night. It was like a B version of a Floyd Mayweather performance. Because when Floyd Mayweather runs, he runs and he actually doesn't get hit and he has pinpoint accuracy to hit his man. Great counterpunching. Great counterpunching. Canelo was running and he made Gennady miss from time to time. But he got hit a lot. And hard. Very hard. And I suggest, and just like they were saying, oh, yeah, Canelo wants to sit out and have the rest of the year to, to rest. Man, that guy needs probably to Cinco de Mayo just to heal up from that. Well, what I've heard, too, um, is that they're saying if they try to make this fight again, one of the things that they'll be able to weasel out is that uh, De La Hoya and them would want to have it in back Vegas. in Vegas? Yeah, back in Vegas. And let me guess, they want Adelaide Bird back. Well, she can't the, come as back the, now. As the, as, <laughs> as the ref. Right, and she can't come back now. And and they'll and and the Triple G would want it somewhere else. Exactly. And they can never meet in the middle. Well, we'll see what happens. Triple G, as we talked to him after the fight, he wants to fight again right now. Yes. And I think he's going to go take Billy Joe Saunders' belt in the UK <laughs> in December. And uh, and obviously, what Canelo, Oscar, all of them want is they want Triple G to be another year older, another step slower, with a little bit more punishment on him to hopefully have a chance to actually change the outcome of the fight. Now, what I wanted to talk to you about is. In my opinion, Triple G is a, is a phenomenal fighter. But Canelo really would have done better with the boxing community and with the crowd that he services, the primarily Latino crowd. He would have really done better to just take his L. Not that it's his decision when the fix is in. Right. But they would have done better because then people would have said, you know what? He took his loss. He went in there. He fought. And he just lost. But he showed the heart of a champion. Guy. Yeah, he's still my guy. I felt like it was a no-lose situation if they would have called the fight right. 
I agree. Everybody wins. And because the rematch is still set up. Exactly, because it was competitive. That's what you want. But you don't want the fix to be in where a judge would have a card that said 118 to 110. Come on, man. Now you're at a – listen, the, the final cards, if you didn't know, the reason we're so fired up, the final card was 115-113, which translates to seven rounds to five rounds for Golovkin, 114-114, which is six and six, which is a draw. And somebody who was on the take who has since been suspended is Adelaide Bird at 118-110. Now, riddle me this, Batman – let, let's say that they need to rescore this fight, right? If she, if she is being sanctioned or whatever, shouldn't she be, should they rescore the fight? How about this? Las Vegas sports books are refunding tickets. Wow. How about them apples? There's an article on ESPN.com right now where they're talking about how there were lines shortly after the decision was given, lines formed at sports books with bettors looking for refunds. Straight bets on the winner of the fight were refunded in Las Vegas. Wagers on the method of victory props, which included an option to bet draw, were not refunded. There were some long lines with some of the customers happy to get their money back and others disappointed. That's from Frank Kunovic, the director of specialty games at Caesars Palace. They weren't yelling at us, but I think they were frustrated like we were about the decision. Caesars reported taking a six-figure loss on the draw. We opened the draw at around 30-1 to and closed at 16-1, to so we got hurt on that. We needed Triple G by decision. The MGM Race and Sportsbook uh, director, Jay Rude, said the draw was a big swing for us. Um, we took a lot of money late on Triple G, and those guys felt like they got robbed. That's coming from the South Point Sportsbook director, Chris Andrew. You know, it's really, really, really disappointing. Um, this, is, th- this is just unacceptable. This is just totally and completely unacceptable. And I'm going to go into something else. Oscar De La Hoya had the nerve to to clown Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor for disrespecting the sport of boxing. That's true. For, for their spectacle that they put on the week before. This is one you won't hear me say too often, folks. But I'm with the jam. I'm with Floyd Mayweather. I don't want to hear nothing about Oscar De La Hoya talking about disrespecting the sport. Right. When you clearly have something to do with a very suspect decision for your man. And this isn't the first time. He lost to Arizona Lara. So it's not like this is this is something new per se. Canelo is a hell of a fighter. And I don't think that he's scared to fight. I think he's a great fighter. And yeah. I think that he's actually going to have a great career from this point forward. I don't know if he's going to have a great career because it could be the Manny Pacquiao Triple G effect where they're not the same fighters anymore. It could be, but the thing is, is I feel like Canelo and Triple G are so much far ahead from the rest of the middleweight group except for Danny Jacobs that even with a decline, he would still be able to dominate for a while. Although he should watch out for those Charlo boys because if he's going to step up and fight at 160... There's some guys up there that are more athletic than Triple G. They just aren't better boxers. Well, and if you talk about him, Canelo fighting uh, Danny Jacobs, though, I, I think I think Danny I think Danny beats Canelo bad. I think he may beat him up bad. And speaking of a tie, there, if you watch Danny Jacobs has two losses. If you watch the first loss of Danny Jacobs, he got knocked out on a flash knockout by I think a guy named Dmitry Pitryov or something like that, a Russian kid back in 2010. Mm-hmm. If you go watch the clip. He gets knocked out in a flash. He was undefeated. He gets knocked out in a flash. Three seconds, he's on the mat. Mr. Bird, the ref, Adelaide's husband, gets to a five count and says, that's it, it's over. Immediately, Danny Jacobs said, what? What are you doing? I'm good. As clear as I'm talking to you right now. And he called that fight early and put a stain on Danny Jacobs' career. That's terrible. You cannot cheat guys who literally put their lives on the line for their sport, for their livelihood. You have cheated a guy who has denied himself the luxury that he can afford in his life. A guy who doesn't eat French fries and pizza and drink soda and have sex with his woman or several women. A guy that literally lives such a disciplined life to make sure that he is at his best and that knowing that his life is in danger that he's actually doing everything he can on a precautionary tip to give his very best. Both of those guys did that on Saturday night. They sure did. And they did it for the 10 weeks before the fight, and they did it for the 20 years that they've been fighting before that. So what's the answer? Do, let's let's start crowdsourcing the, the matches. 
The wow. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying, but see, there's, there's that, that's flawed too. That, it's not flawed. Because, the Russians might hack it. <laughs> yeah, right. You never know. Because you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to say per se who's going to vote on it. You can send out emails, a blast, put them in a group. I can't roll. I actually don't believe in electronic voting. I don't believe in electronic scoring. I don't if, think if you any do of it by the round, it'll work. By the I round, I personally with, feel like you need to do it by the round, even with judges. Well, it kills that's some of the I climax, like. though. It kills, I, it's it anticlimactic. Does, it does. And the other thing that you need to do is you need to fight an odd number of rounds. I've said this before in the Ozone, just like I've been Ostradamus about this, about Gennady not getting a decision. When you have a fight that's based on an even number of rounds with even scoring, obviously you're set up for the rig to be in place for more draws. Right. But this one was And even. this is a situation where you don't want to get them draws. <laughs> Which is very rare. <laughs> rare. And so, and so the scenario has got to be rectified, and it's either going to start from the top down or it's not going to happen. It's the same. It's a part of that sickness, which is the boxers not having a fighting union. Right. It's all Amanda a part Holyfield's of this. working on that, by the way. Really? Yes. He must be an ozone listener. Yeah. I love the champ. It's yeah. a real deal. And, and, and this is a serious problem. I want to play a clip of Danny Jacobs' reaction just after he uh, watched the, the Triple G Canelo fight. Obviously, he wanted Canelo to win, and let's get his reaction. It was a very, very, very entertaining fight, but I got Triple G winning the fight, guys. Uh, size matters in boxing. Canelo had the better offense. Canelo had an amazing offensive barrage when he had in spurts, though. In spurts, Canelo fought. And in the later rounds, when it actually mattered, when the size mattered, when the power mattered, Triple G was able to withstand and continue. Good fight, though. Good fight, though. Now, this is the guy who literally, truthfully, should be in line either for a rematch of Triple G or to fight Canelo. He's another guy that has a hard time getting fights because nobody wants to fight him. Right. He's a problem. You he gave Triple G a problem. Yes, he sure did. You know, I actually thought the Danny Jacobs Triple G fight was closer, and and oh no, Danny Jacobs got dropped. Yes, and I still thought the fight was closer than the Canelo Triple G fight. This wasn't close to me. This, this should have been a unanimous decision. This should have been a unanimous decision, just like the Floyd Mayweather Canelo Alvarez fight should have been a unanimous decision. Right. And somehow or another, one of the judges saw the fight for Canelo. I don't even know if Canelo landed a punch in the fight against Floyd Mayweather. And somehow or another, the judge, one of the judges found it for Was him. that Adelaide Bird? I wonder. I wonder. She has a history of suspect activities, and now she's facing punishment. The, the Nevada Athletic Commissioner said she's going to have to step away for a while, and he tried to clean it up by saying... Oh, well, you know how it is. Uh, everybody can have a bad day in any office. It's just it is what it is. Every every fight, every big fight? Get out of here, man. Come on, man. And I have a suspicion that these people who sell out and sell out for little money, I just have something in my spirit is telling me <laughs> it's like 5G, $7,500. It's not any big money that they're even selling out for, which is makes it even worse to me. Small time. Small time money, Jack. Small now, time. we got a caller that wants to call in. He's a boxing aficionado. He's a friend of the Ozone, and he's a sports gambler, so he's had his suspicions about the, uh, about the fight and the decision even before the fight even happened. Ladies and gentlemen. Yo, yo, yo. Champ Creed, live and in the flesh on the Ozone. How you feeling, my brother? Feeling good, feeling great. Um, I'm back off vacation. If I would have stayed a little longer, I might have bumped into Adelaide Bird. <laughs> I don't think she can afford it. I think you, if you would have went down to the Waffle House, you might have bumped into Adelaide Bird, and she might have spotted you a, a two-piece with some waffles. But personally, I'm so disgusted by the scenario. This is exactly how you lose fans in boxing. To me, even if you're going to rig the fight, let's make it clean. It was so lopsided. Mm -hmm that there's no way that you can have the fight that far ahead for Canelo. Give me a two-minute take on what it is that you have to say, brother, what you saw and what you predicted. Cham, <sighs> don't pass out on me, man. You only got two <laughs> minutes. Lay it on me. Hey, would have left. You got, you that got, you, you, we lost you. We lost you with bad reception. Go back to the beginning where you were. We cut that out. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cham. Okay. Champ, you must be in a bad zone. Yeah. 
Are you in the bad zone too? <clears throat> is it him? I'm good. You keep you keep going. Are think, you on speaker or something, man? No, I'm not on speaker. I'm just, I just had to uh, leave. I told you I'm on vacation. I just oh. stepped out of the hotel. I'm in the lobby now. How, oh. how am I? Am I clear? Yeah, yeah clear there now. you go. Here we go. Champ Creek, give me, give me a two-minute right, cool. rant on what you saw. Okay, like I said, the only way Triple G was going to leave there with a victory was if he brought a sledgehammer in the ring and he took it to Canelo's legs. Uh, you know, there was no way. There was no way that the HBO Golden Boy Las Vegas cash cow was going to lose that fight on the scorecards. And boxing would serve itself better if they would just tell the fans the only way this guy can win this fight is if he knocks him out or if he just, you know, flat out does a pro wrestling DDT. Because having the fans believe that the scoring will be fair, that the judging will be fair, that the ref will be fair, it's misleading to the fans. Am I surprised? No, not at all. I already know before Canelo comes to a fight, before he steps in the ring, he automatically has a four-round lead on whoever he fights. You Unbelievable. Know, it's, just, yeah, it's just that the fans, they don't know how these things work. And I always say to you guys, my tagline on the show, there's 10 ways to fix fights. I happen to know 15 of them, and what you saw this weekend was simply one. This is unbelievable. It's totally believable. I did a great HBO film, actually, with John Leguizamo, who gave me a shot. One of my first, uh, uh, one of my first big gigs in my career. The film ended up being called Undefeated, but it was originally called Infamous. And uh, they had me shadow a promoter because I played a shady boxing promoter in the film. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And that guy told me, look, kid, I know you're a fan of sports. But everything is rigged, uh, it's primarily yeah. boxing. And and it's heartbreaking because as a former athlete, I just plain and simply don't want to believe it. But then when you go to situations like this and you see guys put everything on the line and then you come up uh, craps like this, it's just disheartening. I was more upset about the decision after the fight than Gennady was. And after the fight, we were in the locker room with the champ. He was in such great spirits. And Everybody was so positive. And he was so angry that he wanted to not about the fight he was angry just because he wanted to knock Canelo out and he was running he was angry mm. yeah and this is I'm talking about this from the horse's mouth this is the homie so it's not like you know what I mean he and and Canelo and his team promised the you know the Mexican style and so on and so forth that wasn't the Mexican style it could have been an effective style uh if he would have came out early like that I think he did come out early yeah. like that with the dancing but the problem is He's just not a better fighter than Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, and his size, the size difference was, was real. Was real. Can- Canelo should stay right yeah, at and- 154 and dominate at 154. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only that, you know what changed, you know what changed the fight also, and I think that we were going to head to a Mexican-style situation, was that when Canelo hit, Canelo hit him with that right hand that he threw from New York that landed in San Diego on Gennady's chin, <laughs> And he did the the, the Superman Dawn of Justice flinch. (laughs) I just spoke about it. And he cracked his neck back forward and walked right through it. And walked right through it. That changed. Canelo's face was like, holy shit. (laughs) That's the punch I've been waiting for all night. I've been waiting for that punch all night. I landed it spot on his chin. And he smiled. And he smiled and said, yeah, come on. (laughs) He's like, come on. It was incredible. It was incredible to witness. Triple G's chin, I mean, really, Canelo's chin. There was a point where literally I thought they were going to call the fighter Canelo was going to quit because from rounds three through nine, he got punished. And I don't know if there's any way from the television to really hear the kind of punches that were landing on him. You could hear those Where the punches. whole auditorium was like, oh, ooh, oh. Man, <laughs> it was like a Vincent Price show. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was, it was House of Horrors. <laughs> but now tell me this. Now, let's talk about it from a sports betting perspective. I'm reading now that a lot of the sports books are giving out refunds because the, the decision is so lopsided and so dirty for the straight bet for the for a lot of straight bet winners on Golovkin. And Vegas actually took a hit on the draw. Now, what's your take on that? Well, you know, um, when there's action, like there wasn't as much action as it could have been because, you know, um, college football season is going on. Right. Um, the Mayweather-McGregor fight, that, that pretty much broke a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Um, Vegas, when, when, it, when it's a draw, they, they sometimes, not all the times, it's up to the casino to decide whether they're going to give the money back, and they did. But there was a substantial amount of people that actually bet on a draw 
but it wasn't significant. So Vegas really didn't take a hit. Um, as far as you call it, they, they, they kind of broke even on it, you know, so it wasn't too much of a, a hit. And, and the thing is, this all sets up the rematch on Cinco de Mayo. 100%. You know, um, you, you mentioned that a lot of fans were disappointed, but the, is I, I, I say boxing fans are like battered wives that don't leave. Uh, Total Stockholm Syndrome. Be, yeah, because, you know, you all, you, everyone that was complaining, that went to the fight, that watched the fight, I guarantee you they're going to watch the rematch, and then there's going to be even more people that watch the rematch because of the controversial ending. So it's, it's just like pro wrestling. You have a controversial finish to all bring people back six, seven, eight months later because once the anger is gone, that hunger to see what's going to happen comes back. You're right. And, and I tell you, these people, the programming people, all these people, they have it down to a science. And they are sports scientists, psychologists, and it is impressive because we just keep coming back for more. And it's 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 the reason that UFC and MMA are eating boxing's lunch is because you never question who won the MMA fight or the UFC fight. Not that you can't rig those as well, but when you see a guy's face get splattered all over the somebody place, breaks their leg. Or somebody breaks their leg. This is this isn't in question. This isn't going to the cards. Right, right. The guy and, got choked out. The guy got he tapped, and uh, and yeah. and and you know. This is something that boxing, maybe they don't have to, to rectify it, actually. And this is, we talk about how they need to rectify it. Maybe it is the Stockholm Syndrome where this is actually what we want. One of the things that I noticed being at the fight that I heard a lot of, wow, it was an entertaining fight. I'm not going for entertainment. If I want entertainment, I turn on ballers, fool. <laughs> I turn on, I, I go to the we movies. Go to we- I, go, I, go, I go all over the place if I want entertainment. I'm looking for high-level athletic competition. I can entertain people. That's what I do. But I can't go in the ring and go toe-to-toe with Canelo for 12. That's not what I do. How about two? I don't know if I got him for two. One? I mean, listen, I'm going to establish a jab. (laughs) That's what I am going to do. Well, hey, listen, listen. If Mayweather can carry McGregor for about 10 rounds, I think Canelo can carry you for about eight or nine. (laughs) If he wanted to. If he wanted to. He carried him for a quick 10 to pick up his check on his bet, which is disgusting. Now, I also have one last thing I want to run by you, champ. I personally feel right. like Adelaide Bird should face charges. I do, too. Either they need to rescore the fight or they or she should face charges because she's actually interfered in international commerce. Good point. Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up an excellent point. Um, the only thing is there will be no court in the state of Nevada that will charge Adelaide Bird because if she hits the stand – and she's going to be like Kareem Akbar from New Jack City. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm going down, everybody's going down with me. Everybody's going down. It's the life and brother from the bank. It's brother from the casino. So, so they ain't going to test Adelaide. Listen, listen. I'm going to tell y'all this. Like, people think Adelaide, they look at the picture, and they go, oh, she's a cheat. Oh, she's a scammer. Oh, she's rigged to fight. I tell you this much. Ain't nobody going to run up on Adelaide, bird. Like, she is tough. She is two dollar steak tough. She, <laughs> wow! Listen, she's going to take that. Yeah, she's going to take that hit on the chin. She's on her vacation. She's going to cash the check Oscar gave her, and then she'll be back. <laughs> at, you know, minor league fights or something like that. She'll so be right back. you know, the game goes around. Yeah, she'll be right back. Do you know who they have to plug and replay place her? Um. Well, you know th- what they do is they they randomly pick guys um and and women female judges and uh, when we were talking via text um we had mentioned that um you know they they have their commissionary meetings their commissionary hearings and I think the next one that they have is in December and this will be definitely something that's brought up but um you you move you take one woman away you take a man away someone else pops up it's just par for the course you're that's always going to find somebody who's willing goes. to take a bribe and that's on every level yeah. of society. Yeah. Now, can yeah, you, that's it. Champ, can you explain this dinner or whatever that they have right before the fight for the refs? Okay. All right. So when you um when you're a promoter or if you're an athletic commissioner or part of the commission or a judge or the referee, you usually have a meeting like the night before, and it's just to go down the last minute rules and regulations to make sure all the safety precautions are in place to make Slides sure that the bride. promoter has his. Yeah, yeah. Make sure the promoter has the money to pay the fighters. Because sometimes a lot of promoters they'll slide out <laughs> without paying the fighters. Um, they have to make sure that the bond is already established. And when you have those commissionary meetings, a lot of those meetings are athletic state commission only, meaning that no member of the media, no member of the press, no member of the outside world of the fighters, and sometimes not even the promoter sits in on that. I fortunately 
I've had the liberty to sit on three, four, four meetings as such. Um, I'm not going to tell you to which capacity at this moment, but it's basically to go over the rules of the regulations to make sure everything is set up for the night before. And yet there's nobody there for any sort of checks and balances. Brother, we appreciate your time. Get back to your vacation. Tell the people where they can find you and get that good advice about boxing. All right. Well, everyone, you can find me at Champ Creed on all my social media. You can find me at um, Exquisite Vacations, where hopefully Adelaide Bird will be taking her private jet, you know, to uh, my my exotic vacation land. <laughs> but seriously, folks, at Champ Creed on everything, and um, I'll let you guys in the intro. All right, Champ. Thanks. Appreciate you. All right. Take it easy. You know, I'm just going to wrap up the fight coverage, even though we could talk about it all day and all night. I was so fired up. Uh, there's this is a microcosm once again where sport is intersecting with life. It's a microcosm of our society of the corruption that takes place. It is the loss of the American dream of actually working hard and achieving something and being rewarded. Or is it actually the American dream? Because now what's going to happen is is these two young men are going to get paid even more money to run it back at a later date. And now, is that their reward as a fan? Is that what you want to see? Or do you actually want to see the card displayed and presented fairly? I mean, you would be hard-pressed to find people at the fight who actually thought Canelo won the fight. At the very best, it was Canelo by a draw. And that was for a lot of people from a lot of walks of life. We're talking from Paul Pierce, NBA great. Russell Westbrook was there. Uh, I mean, Dave Chappelle, you name it. Guys were there, and they, man, it was almost a riot in that place. I'm telling you. Right. But, you know, it's a situation where we got to check ourselves and say, is this what we want? Because what I see, and whether it's in our uh, art and content or whether it's in our sport, as a society, we seem more and more interested in entertainment and being distracted than we are about the actual substance of things. Yeah, in reality, right? And in reality and truth. And this is a very slippery slope that I think we're already heading downhill on. And I, I just I don't believe that that's something that society should should truly embrace. I don't think we need to lean into spectacle and entertainment. I feel like we need to lean into truth. There's a time to be entertained, of course. There's a time to have a big spectacle. I don't necessarily think that time is when it's being presented as honesty and truth. This is the difference between watching Jerry Springer and going out and watching a documentary. You know you know what you're getting with Jerry Springer. You like to think with the documentary you have factual information that's actually right. making moves. I feel like you know the other boxers should stand up and say something, more of them, because when they fall victim to it, then you can't complain if you don't stand up. I agree. I agree. Well, we're going to move on, folks. Uh, We've covered a lot of the boxing. And now we're going to move on to the NFL Week 2. The N to the F to the L, also known as the No Fun League. They're having fun now. It seems like they're having fun out there. They're letting them shoot jumpers in the end zone and everything else. Yeah, it's all kind of stuff going on. Guys are dancing. That's a little salsa action. There were some good matchups this week, some good games this week. Uh, the scheduling's been great. The scheduling's been great. I picked the game uh, for our friends over at 5-4, so you can go get a discount over there on some uh, material because I got it right, 5-4.com. Uh, you guys can go over there and check out my picks because I had a very strong feeling that the Buccaneers would destroy the Bears. <laughs> that was strong. And it was strong, and they did exactly that. Um, there were some real highs and lows, but I, I wanted to speak on some of the political action that's taken place within the NFL over the past week. And we got a caller who also wants to chime in. Hey, good afternoon, Big O. What's happening? Trucker Dave, it's football season, so our main man is back. Live from the road of the United States of America, we have football expert Trucker Dave. How you feeling? Pretty good. I'm still breathing. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Alive and kicking, my brother. I feel the same way. We just got done going over that – travesty of a robbery that took place this past weekend on the in the fight game and i wanted to talk to you about some of the uh some of the matchups that took place in the nfl in week two and not only the matchups but some of the political matchups i wanted to get your take on that Uh, i don't know anything about that (laughs) (laughs) this must not be trucker dave's line then 
But well, first and foremost, where where are we finding you right now in this great country of ours? We're finding me in Pennsylvania. Nice, right on the left, right on the left coast. Nice, foggy, uh, cooler weather than you guys are probably in right now. Yeah, um, it's not so bad yeah, though. We're, we're, we're bad. finally not 115. Right now, it's only it's a, it's a nice, cool 82. It's nice, but uh, five here. Ooh, right on time for a Hershey's bar. <laughs> and or, co- or Steeler game. And or Steeler game. Speaking of which, how about them Steelers? Well, you know what? The line on that game, I watched that game, and um, I think that rookie's looking pretty good at running back for Minnesota. He's yeah. running the ball pretty well. But once Sam Bradford got hurt, you know, it just turned into a, a whole different game. His knee was hurt, so he was out before the game even started. Um, Big Ben and, you know, his crew, they did their thing, and they got the win. They, they, they did work. It seems like there's so much attention on uh, on Nino Brown nowadays that he can't even get the pill, but he's opening things wide up for Martavis Bryant, for right. all those guys. I see the Patriots redeem themselves. But one thing that I want to talk to to you about, the Patriots bounced back, as we all thought that they would. Uh, and being a giant Patriots fan, I just wanted to run something by you because I thought that it was very interesting that Tommy Terrific, touchdown Tommy, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, literally said he's interested in Colin Kaepernick getting a job, and he hopes that he gets a gig. He hopes he gets a shot. He said he's a great young quarterback. He was able to accomplish a whole lot. He said, I've always watched him and admired him the way that he's played. He was a great young quarterback. He came to our stadium and beat us and took his team to the Super Bowl. He accomplished a lot in the pros as a player, and he's certainly qualified, and I hope he gets the shot. That was on the heels of Aaron Rodgers, another all-time great quarterback, saying – it would be ignorant to believe that Kaepernick is being held out of the league for any other than his national anthem protest. Now, what do you think about Tommy Terrific finally stepping into the arena of politics and, and using his platform to be heard? Well, you know what? He took a lot of heat. Because once Aaron Rodgers came out and said what he said, and pretty much Aaron Rodgers is the face of the league, even, even though Tom Brady is Tom Brady. But Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has the discount double check-in. Yep. All that, you know, people say that Aaron Rodgers is the best talent that ever was a quarterback. So I think he was compelled to make a statement. And his statement was, you know what, I hope he gets a shot. And since you brought that up, the Bengals players are rumored to want to sit Andy Dalton down and bring in Colin Kaepernick. Wow, really? Yeah. They should. Andy Dalton looks terrible. He does he look terrible. I don't know what happened to him. You, Andy Dalton, even though they never won anything, you could always count on him lighting up the scoreboard. Right. At least hit Tyler Eifert a couple of times. He can't at even least throw some picks. Right. I mean, he just he can't even get the ball off. This is what I'm saying. I don't know what's happened to him. Especially when and you're you not a what? mobile quarterback. And you know what? You got to look at their draft, too. They brought in Joe Mixon, and I thought Joe Mixon was going to, you know, come out and be gangbusters, and he's not putting up numbers. And you got the young kid, Ross, who just won the fastest man in the NFL. He got hurt in week one. Right. So he comes up, he doesn't even have a reception in, 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 you know, in his uh, debut. So it's kind of crazy what's going on in Cincinnati. But Cincinnati's biggest problem is they're staying with a guy like Marvin Lewis. They don't want to pay for a coach. Right. They don't respect the draft. Uh, they always hire get uh, players that are always in trouble. So it's a combination of things, and this might be Marvin Lewis's last year. They just fired the offensive coordinator, and that's an indication of, hey, if you don't get it together, you're next. There's only so much that you can do. There's only so many losses that you can take. And you you have one of the best receivers in the game. I mean, they've had a good team since Marvin Lewis has been there, to be honest. A.J. Green is literally up there with Julio Jones and Nino. No, but what I'm saying is is before that, they had when they had, had, what's his name, Husman Zada, and they they had Ocho Cinco. And they had they had a squad for a long time yeah. now, and they can never pull it together. Right, you got to win they, at some point. And you're talking about with the kid mixing; he can't be effective if you can't. If get you a, don't have yeah, a passing game, you don't have a passing game. It's not yeah. possible. That is so true. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it's just a, it's just a bad organization you have before the season starts. You got Burfick, who you know who does the uh, the dirty hit. And gets a suspension. Then what do they do? They reward him and give him a three-year, thirty-eight million-dollar contract. Yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. good job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
It's like a, it's like an even more warped version of what the Raiders went through for a while. Yeah. And uh, except for the Raiders still made it entertaining and were in competition. The Bengals at this point don't even look like they're in competition. They 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 look they don't even look like they care. That's what I mean. They look, they look totally overmatched and uninterested, which is unacceptable in the NFL. That doesn't work. Now, speaking of a team that is interested but couldn't pull it together, how about them Cowboys getting shut down yesterday? I was really surprised to see them go away from uh, Ezekiel Elliott Me only too. nine eight yards. Um, and then you, you, but then when the interception happens and he doesn't like, you know, he doesn't, he acts like he's not interested. Kind of shows his character before the draft. He's been in trouble. A lot of things going on, man. A lot of things going on in Dallas. A lot of things going on, and I think it's another situation where we're watching off-field activities translate into the locker room and thus translate onto the field, which end up being a problem. And into the front office. You know, because Jerry, yeah. Jerry Jones is supposed to be holding up uh, Roger Godell getting his money as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. And I saw in the NFL yesterday, I was watching a couple of games, I saw a lot of terrible quarterback play. And speaking of, you know, uh, Blake Bortles, I thought so much of Blake Bortles coming out of college. And, you know, even the Patriots were thinking about drafting him. He's an example of if you go to the wrong team, this is what can happen. He has the size, he has the arm, and you look at him, you're like, what happened? He's got a monster defense. Yeah. And he had the top what receiver. Happened? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't get it with Blake Bortles. And uh, Mariota looked terrible yesterday. Um, who else looked bad? Flacco. Look terrible. So quarterback play, I'm starting to compare it to major league pitching. Is it that difficult to where it's only like maybe ten people or twelve people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Joe Flacco's been through wars. Joe Flacco is actually old, and I've you know you had yeah. a little bit of respect for the Ravens for trying to bring in Kaepernick. You thought that he might have had a chance because Harbaugh's being brothers that he could sign, and uh, they didn't pull the trigger on him, and it's coming back to haunt him because Joe Flacco didn't even get to play at all in the preseason. Yeah, but come on, man. He's a veteran, and if you saw some of the throws that he was making, like, man, who's he throwing the ball to? He has a bad back, though, right? Yeah, he does. He does. And, you know, the, the, the team's getting praised for their defense. This is the time of year when everybody's just like, you know, they jumped everybody Monday morning quarterback at this time of year. Right. Oh, Baltimore got the best defense. They played Cincinnati. They, who they played? Cleveland. Yeah, they played Cleveland. And, <laughs> yeah, they played two bum squads. Come on, man. So don't jump now, to anything. Now, what was not a bum matchup, though, was them and Dirty Birds down there taking care of, the, of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Again. Again. With all of the hype and fanfare and everything about the Packers being the best team of all time, and, you know, you if you listen to it, you listen to them sell it. Aaron Rodgers is just literally the messiah of football, and I actually right. like Aaron Rodgers a lot. I like him, too. But and, and but, the, but the way that they crown him and the team all world, they – come up short a lot for being so good. Well, it's the, it's the road record that's terrible. I mean, at home, they're almost unbeatable. But, you know, what, the, what the, reason, yeah, well, it was the reason why he gets so much credit is because that he can cover up so many flaws that the team has. You know, his talent is so great, he can overcome so much. And you look, last year he said, hey, I think they were like three and six or three and five or whatever. He said, hey, I'm, we're going to run the table. And they almost ran the table. Yeah. So, is a talent. But if you ask me, and this might be controversial, I think Derek Carr is the best quarterback in football. Right he, now. Derek Carr moves the pill. Yeah. And, and he's moving the pill. It doesn't matter whether you're facing a bum squad, a good squad. Derek Carr figures yeah. out a way to get it done, man. And I actually matter. like Jack Del Rio's use of beast mode, to be honest. Right. Because well, it's almost like he's getting him the rest that he needs now in games yet he's still getting him snaps so that come week 10, week 12, if he's not hurt, which, you know, in the NFL, you never know what's going to happen, but he's going to be fresh and in prime playoff form going into the playoffs. Uh, to me, because he's not overusing them, even with Marshawn having the year off. I'm really impressed with that, and with the way that Derek Carr is moving the ball, he's making everybody on his team better. You can't say there's any young quarterback, in my opinion, that's better than Derek Carr. He, I, I like Mariota. Mariota's not he, better than Derek Carr. I think that he is. Yeah, I watch Mariota, and the Mariota has the tendency to run a lot. But I'm talking about a quarterback sit in the pocket and read. You know, you throw, you blitz Derek Carr, you are going to pay for it. You're going to pay. You are because Amari Cooper's going over the top. They got people that can burn you. 
Yeah, well, they have one of the best offensive lines in football as well. Donald Penn, the Ozone friend, came through, came back, uh, held out of this, stopped his holdout, and came back to protect his man DC. I, I don't like yeah. to talk about just win, baby, too much because I'm like I said, I'm going through a slight separation. We're we're having some marital problems right now. I don't know what's, what's going to come of it, but uh, we're praying for it. We're taking counseling, so we'll see where it goes. Well, the problem with uh, you know with the Raiders, and you see it in Dallas yesterday, it's the defense. When it comes down to playoff times, what kind of defense? Your offense is there, but is your defense going to be able to hold up? And that's the problem that I saw with Green Bay yesterday. They have a problem with Atlanta's speed. They cannot – first of all, can nobody guard Julio Jones? Nobody can guard Julio Jones at all. And, and, and the other thing is, is everybody has a problem with Atlanta's speed. <laughs> that's the problem. Atlanta really yeah. – I mean, you know, it's, it's the hangover is still there for them losing the Super Bowl, not necessarily in their play. But just in the you know in the ether, the way that everybody feels about it. But there's no reason that Atlanta shouldn't be the best team in football. They look like the best team in football right now. They look great. They look like the best team in football for three quarters of the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, but I think that they've 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 grown out of that. I think that they've actually going to overcome it. You I, think the change in the 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 coaches helped? You think the offensive coordination? Yeah, it's not just something? the offensive coordination. Uh, it's it's about them maturing. You know, and I think that. They, and I think that you've got a bunch of young talent on defense, which is crucial, and, and mm-hmm. them developing is crucial. Not, not running man-to-man the whole game, dropping into some zones every now and then, and it changes the game. And these guys had to build up the stamina and learn how to win, and now they know how to win, and I think they're going to do it. I mean, they actually look great. Matt Ryan looked great, and Julio Jones, forget about it. Yeah. Well, sense. the problem is, too, with, with Beasley, he just hurt his hamstring, so now he's going to be out for yeah. a month, and you're in a business. You know, that guy comes off the corner, man. Yeah, Vic Beasley like beast. It's unbelievable, man. And Jacksonville, man, I mean, looking at their their defense is good, but with any defense, you cannot stay on the field all yeah, game. it's true. Do that, and it doesn't matter how much talent you have. Doesn't um, matter. You just can't stay Doesn't yep. matter. Well, Trucker Dave, we appreciate your insight. As of right now, I'm, uh, I feel good about the NFL week two. It's a lot of interest in people talking about boycotting the NFL. I'm very interested to see if that movement gains any steam. Now you have this whole scenario with Jamel Hill uh, delivering her platform uh, to, to deliver the truth about President 45 <laughs> and calling him out for what he is. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very interested to see what, you know, what ends up coming about. Me too. You know why? Because I never said that. <laughs> he had the nerve to ask her for an apology after all of the people that he had told after, after president obama after after right. after leading the birther movement with president obama unbelievable and guy. they tried to get her fired yeah which is disgusting now you want to talk about a boycott if they fire her i'm telling you the the culture will shut espn down they should and and well, myself included. Yeah, you could you could sign me up for that boycott if they fire her for telling the truth. Oh, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They actually like what she said. <laughs> I mean, they, <laughs> you feel like they just had to put out a statement just because. Well, you know, anytime you have a president, you know, you can't like you know, even though it's freedom of speech, you're not supposed to be openly disrespectful of them. But we've never had a president that was actually a little kid. <laughs> Chucker Dave, always a pleasure having you in the Ozone. I'm so happy it's football season and you're back. We will catch you soon. Be careful out there on the road. And uh, you're always welcome in the Ozone, my brother. All right. God bless you guys. Not late. Take care. But that was awesome. Great contribution. So happy to have Trucker Dave back. Yeah. And he's always dead on with his football. His football game is impeccable. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, now it's time to speak about a game so fine. It's played on diamonds. Let's play ball! Major League Baseball is rounding out the regular season. We have a couple teams that are set, already clinched spots in the postseason. It's go time, folks. Terry, you tell me. Are the Houston Astros for real, or was this year just another step in the right direction towards the championship? The Houston Astros are very real. They're probably the only team that can beat Cleveland. I mean, from top to bottom. Cleveland has monster pitching. That pitching staff is crazy. And, and they have if they heart. had one more of those arms last year, they win yeah, the World Series. And they have heart. But Houston, and they have experience. And they have experience, you know, but they were because they were there last year. But I really think that the Astros are the real deal. I mean, they're the only team really that can put the screws to Cleveland. Cleveland has a monster bullpen. Has, <laughs> Top to bottom, has Cleveland has is the best team in baseball. 
Yeah, but what but what the Houston Astros bring is youth. They have they don't have the experience, and I think that's the biggest knock. But they got yeah. Justin Verlander and Keuchel. And I don't like their middle relief. They have good middle relief if they move Brad Peacock back to the bullpen. You're not going to win if Tyler Clippard pitches for you in the postseason. But you won't need him to pitch because you we'll have see. you have Musgrove and Davinsky. I mean that's a, that's a nice duel in the bullpen. You got Liriano who's suspect. Yeah, and 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 Cleveland. Everybody has have a couple of cats hey, in their got bullpen. A couple arms at a suspect. Yeah, yeah. Dodgers got a couple. Yeah, well we knew that though. You know they well, got no, away. No, no, they went and they got they went out and they they muscled up. But there, it's going to be interesting to see where they go with it because the Dodgers, to me, that losing streak is the best thing that could have happened to the Los Angeles Dodgers because it took them out of that euphoria of their players, i.e. Yasiel Puig, uh, who low-key, in my opinion, should win comeback player of the year. Where did he go? Uh, <laughs> so he came back from some very bad baseball to start playing good baseball. Um, it, but but they Puig, you know, he had a walk-off, and he said, we'll see you guys in the World Series. Baseball is a humbling sport, man. Yeah. And, and you don't believe it? Just keep playing. And that 10-game losing streak came at a time, in my opinion, which brought them back to earth and made them focus and understand we are actually invincible. We are not invincible. And we have to play the game every single day, all 27 outs, just like everybody else does. Jim, a smell check. Uh-huh. That's what it was. And, and, and our prince was grimy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was ripe. And uh, Kershaw is still... Kershaw, and he brought them out offensively and defensively. Now the team has righted the ship. They just won uh, a series against the Nationals, who's the other major rival in the National League. But they didn't have to go against the front line. They didn't go against, uh, you know, Gonzalez and Scherzer. I mean, they, Steven Strasburg beat them. So yeah. they, they they had one of the front lines. Yeah. But uh, but, but then again, because they neither did the Dodgers. The Dodgers, Kershaw didn't pitch against them. I know he's pitching tonight. But, That's what I'm the, saying. But the problem is they didn't get Darvish either. But Darvish is suspect right now. And I think this, to the point where you were talking about before where everybody wants to change his mechanics. He pitched well his last outing. Yeah. You can't up mess with the guy's Francisco. mechanics. No. Especially a guy who didn't grow up in the same system of baseball that's being taught here. Right. He's adapted his game so that it is what it is. And it's, you know, and it's it's ready. And his game is rock steady ready. When he's pitching like you, Darvish, he's as good as anybody in baseball. Tell you, sleeper team to watch out for is Minnesota. And Minnesota's going against the Yankees coming up. Yeah, it's a nice, nice, uh, nice matchup coming up. I believe that, I don't know, I think that, that I, October can't get here quick enough because it's going down. This, right. this postseason is going to be unpredictable. I don't think it's going to go just like the, everybody thinks. No, it is. no, I don't I, think I'm, so. I'm, I'm telling you that the Minnesota Twins are a serious, serious problem. I don't believe in the Twins solely because of the lack of pitching. Yeah. and and But you're talking about a wild card situation. and in yes, this one game. Yeah, in this wild card situation, they can be a serious problem because they can go to the next level and they swing the stick against good pitching. I think the Yankees can be a problem in the wild card scenario because the Yankees can throw out an ace at you in a wild card one game scenario. Like, and like a Severino. Like a Severino type. Or even if you wind up in the squeeze, like the man who has lived up to his contract better than anybody in professional sports cc sabathia because cc has mastered the five or six and dive keeping the team in the game and then coming up to the point where he lets the offense hold him down and nowadays they've gotten their players back dd gregorius is swinging it aaron judge is out of his funk matt holiday's back in the lineup greg bird went deep the other day yeah if if the yankees get you down you will lose and that is always a, a, a good – man, did you see that? I think uh, Joe Girardi won his 900th game the other day. Joe Girardi's a great coach. And he's – I just can't believe he's been around to win 900 games. That means he's I coached can, probably like yeah. 1,500 games or yeah. something like that. That's a long time. And he was in that core group of uh, Yankees that were winners. Stone cold winners. Yeah. You didn't want to see those early 2000s, so he understands, late 90s Yankees. And he doesn't understand how these guys, the mentality of these young kids that are coming up nowadays, and now he's starting to groom these young kids so that they can play the game the right way. And be prepared, and be prepared. every single day. Every single at bat. Every single at bat. He watches Fouling it. off pitches. Yeah, you watch a guy giving a bat away with him, and he'll, he'll have something for you. He sure will. And he might sit you. Yeah. Don't care who you are. Now, what do you think is going to happen in this National League Central? Because that race is tight still. The Cubs have seemed like they the, the Cubs caught fire at the right time. They didn't won six straight, and they beat their rival. They beat the Cardinals. Yeah, and the Cardinals is probably out of it now. Yeah, the Cardinals I think are out of it, but I think Milwaukee still has a chance. I don't think Milwaukee is real. Well, Milwaukee real. can be a problem. They can be a problem, but they're not real. I, don't I mean, think real. Eric Thames fell off, and that's a problem. I mean, completely off. Yeah, and that's a problem because you got to uh, depend on Jesus Aguilar. And he's a, he's a good thumper, but you know what? In, in, you got to depend on yeah. Braun being healthy. Yeah, and in in the playoffs. 
it's too tight, man. You got yeah. good pitching every game. Yeah. And I don't think that they can overcome it. Yeah. We shall overcome. All right. Let's do a little civil rights for y'all. <laughs> a little soul clap. Mm-hmm. Go on. That was for you guys out there. <laughs> Yeah, this is I, I I can't wait for baseball to come back uh to the to the playoffs. There's nothing like October baseball. Not any sport, not anything. It's intense. It's intense. It's intense. How Hogan. Ah, we have a memoriam this week that I'm really disappointed about. R.I.P. to Bobby the Brain Heenan. Right? Oh, That's man. your man. That was my man. I used to love WWF when I was a yeah. kid. And Bobby the Brain was a big part of it. They had such big personalities, all of them. And Bobby the Brain fit right in there with him. He was great. He was he was a great announcer. I've talked to some of the guys in the league who spoke about him highly and said that he was a good mentor. All those guys really look out for one another. Now the wrestlers are. It seems like it's been a few deaths this year in that in in that group, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. Really, really unfortunate. Well, that's about all I got. What do you got? You got anything else to line up for the that's Ozone? That's it, dude. Freaking it. Gonna leave you guys. With a quote. Today we're going to go with a quote by Henry David Thoreau. And we're going to say that it's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. Very important, folks. Check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself in the Negro poet's words of Ice Cube. Have a great week, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back on the mic hot for you. If something happens, we'll give you an espresso shot. This is The Ozone. I am your host, Omar. Ozone. I was on the fly, hey, I was on the side, hey, I was on the grind, had to switch up, now everybody got their lights off, from Soho to Soko, I do this, they told us, so dears, you can find me in the Ozone, chilling with my crew, working till the day that our dreams free us, you might find LeBron bumping this up in the kitchen.